0: Hello, and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up, guys? In this video, I'm gonna be going through my last set of positional rankings for week two, and it's gonna be my top 20 week two tight ends. If you guys are watching this video and you enjoy the content, please just hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and then let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Could be start sick questions, trade advice, waiver wire, any of that stuff, let me know down below, and I'll respond to everyone who comments. And then if you wanna see more videos like this, up on my channel right now, I have my running back, wide receiver, and quarterback rankings for week two of the NFL season. So go check those out after this video, but let's just get right into it. Starting off with number 20, it's gonna be James O'Shaughnessy from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and 100% transparency. I had no idea this guy even existed going into week one of the NFL season, but then he goes out week one, gets targeted eight times, six targets. And at the tight end position, when that happens, you just got to open your eyes. So if he really is someone who's going to be the tight end one on this team, just something to keep an eye out for. They could definitely just be a result of Trevor Lawrence throwing for 51 passes. But since the tight end position is so thin, you really got to pay attention to stuff like that. Then at 19, I have Gerald Everett. He was one of my favorite late round tight end options. And he did get into the end zone week one, two receptions for 20 yards. I was just hoping for a little bit more usage out of Everett. You know, I kind of thought he would have the opportunity to come in and be the tight end one. You know, whenever it was on the Rams, you had him and Higby splitting time for that tight end one spot. Once Everett leaves, Higby becomes the tight end one. I would think Everett would go to the Seahawks and be the tight end one, but Will Disley actually out-receptioned him week one. So definitely something to keep an eye on. He could continue to have his role grow, but when you're looking for these kind of tight ends, you really are looking for two major factors one is you want the touchdown upside of a player on a good team gerald everett has that on the seahawks but the other thing is you're looking for volume and gerald Everett just does not have that yet so it's definitely a healthy balance between those two things then at number 18 i have hunter henry after week one i feel like a lot of people kind of felt this way that john smith was going to be the tight end one hunter henry was going to be the tight end two it wasn't like a one a one b type of situation and I feel like that's kinda how it played out. So just don't see a ton of upside here, especially if he's not getting that volume. At number 17, I have Tyler Conklin, and he's a pretty interesting guy because dating back like months ago during the offseason, once we found out that Kyle Rudolph would not be returning to the Vikings, you know, everyone jumped on this Irv Smith hype train and someone from the Vikings organization, it was either the head coach, offensive coordinator, tight end coach, someone, I can't exactly remember who, but they came out and they said, actually, Irv Smith's role probably isn't gonna increase that much. It's going to be Tyler Conklin's role who increases, but obviously no one really cares about that when you're talking about two tight ends who are gonna be splitting time. But then Irv Smith goes out, gets injured. Now, Tyler Conklin looks like the number one. They go out, they trade for Chris Herndon. You know, is this just gonna be another tight end committee? And it really doesn't look like it. He was very promising in week one, was targeted four times for four receptions, 41 yards. But I really think the best part of this was the usage. He was on the field for 71% of the snaps. Chris Herndon was only out there for 14% of the snaps. So he's probably right now a mid-tier tight end too with Irv Smith out, but just another guy to monitor because he did get that volume, and this is going to be a fairly decent offense with the Vikings. After Conklin, I have Zach Ertz at number 16. He was a guy that I was very interested to see play week one. And I was like, does he still have the juice? Can he emerge as a top target on this team? He just really didn't impress for me. It looked like he was the tight end too, pretty firmly behind Goddard. And so, I mean, there's definitely a possibility he goes out week two, plays well, starts to build that role. But I kind of feel like he definitely has to take a step down for me. At 15, I have Cole Komet. And he looked really solid this week against the Bears. I kind of thought this would be a full-on committee with Komet, Jimmy Graham, and Jesse James. And obviously they're still gonna use Jimmy Graham in the red zone. That is his bread and butter. But honestly, on this Bears offense that is not gonna score a lot of points, I would rather have the volume guy. And it looks like that is going to be Cole Komet. So he's kind of a solid guy to look out for a very young tight end so he could continue to improve throughout the season then up next i have jared cook i really liked his usage week one got a lot of volume i believe he was the third most targeted player on that team which is great to see plus this is a fantastic matchup against the cowboys we saw gronk at the tight end position light them up week one so jared cook does have an opportunity to put together a big game and if he gets similar volume to his week one performance He's a guy who's honestly challenging to be a potential low-end tight end one candidate. At 13, just missing out on those top 12 tight ends, it's gonna be Jonu Smith from the Patriots. You know, he was operating as the tight end one. I'm just not seeing a huge amount of upside in this offense. I think they're gonna be a run-first team. They're gonna rely on that defense. I just don't really see them letting Mac Jones go out and air it out a ton, which definitely is just gonna limit Jonu Smith's overall upside. But I mean, if you're playing in bigger leagues, He's a guy i wouldn't hate in my starting lineup i talked about goddard's teammate Ertz a little bit earlier but for goddard i do think he's kind of locked in as the tight end one four receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown that's solid he's going to be one of these top targets on this team you've got devonta smith maybe jalen rager and then it's probably dallas goddard in there in terms of the target order so kind of a solid back end tight end one then at number 11 it's going to be robert tanyan i was very high on him going into the season like I've mentioned for basically all of these Packers weapons, I am just going to scratch week one. Obviously it sucks because he performed terribly and he was probably in your starting lineup. But I mean, let's be honest, this is going to be a very, very good offense. Sometimes stuff like this happens. It's just going to snowball on them. And then you have Rodgers who barely plays in the fourth quarter. So it's really just not an accurate representation of a full game. He was targeted a few times. So we just have to kind of wait and see how he is used week two. Hopefully he's still one of those red zone guys. And now we're on to the top 10 and going into drafts this year, there was a very clear top three tier. You had Kelsey, you had Waller and Kittle. Most people viewed it in that order. And then you had a second tier with Hawkinson, Andrews, and Pitts. That order was all over the place, but that was a pretty kind of established top six. And then basically every guy picked after that was essentially viewed as a late round tight end option. Everyone had their favorite guys, but after watching week one, I think a decent amount of these players may end up being hits and turning into great values. And the first one is going to be Logan Thomas here at number 10. It was kind of tough to just grade this overall Washington football team offense because once Fitzpatrick goes down, they were really just playing kind of a grinded out style, relying on that defense, running the ball a ton. They threw for around like 140 yards. But I mean, from what we saw, Logan Thomas is probably gonna be the number two target. He got into the end zone, which is definitely something we were looking for. So, you know, all signs look pretty solid for Logan Thomas so far. Noah Fant at number nine, I was not high on him going into the season. I really did not see the ceiling. I kind of thought it was going to be Sutton and it was going to be Judy. And then at best Noah Fant is the number three tight end. But then we go out there, Judy looks good. He injures his ankle. Cortland Sutton played a lot, but really was not targeted very often. So Noah Fant could be a top target on this team. And I mean, Bridgewater is not going to bring you that touchdown upside, but he can deliver you volume. We saw that last year with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. So I really like him here. And he could continue to kind of inch his way up to a mid-tier tight end one. At number eight, I have Kyle Pitts. And if you were a Pitts owner, you probably didn't feel great about his week one. You know, you go out, you draft this flashy rookie tight end. You're probably expecting immediate production. He had a pretty solid amount of volume. You know, it just didn't come together. And a part of that is definitely just this Falcons offense. Being absolutely miserable week one, but I would not be discouraged with Pitts. I think the way a lot of people view him is that rookie wide receivers can come in and play well right away. And I think, you know, the general narrative is that rookie tight ends do not play well. But if you think Pitts has more of a wide receiver skill set, then you could argue, you know, if he puts together a good rookie wide receiver season, then he's like a top tier tight end. And that's a fair argument. And it does sometimes take these wide receivers. know, a few weeks to really get into it. So I think his overall volume was encouraging and he could definitely start to break out in the next few weeks. But until then, I'm gonna have Tyler Higbee ranked ahead of him and I love Tyler Higbee this year. He was one of my favorite late round guys and I just loved the way he was used week one. I talked about him in my video when I went through trade targets. He played every single snap for the Rams on Sunday night football. And I mentioned how Everett didn't really take over as the tight end one. With Everett gone, they just gave that full responsibility to Tyler Higby. He ran routes on 26 out of 27 dropbacks and 18 of those snaps were either out wide or in the slot. So they are really just trying to get him the ball. He ran more routes than Robert Woods was targeted six times, five receptions, 68 yards. And here's the thing, if Higby brought in a touchdown in this game, you just add a touchdown to that stat line, people would be hyping this man up like crazy. That's how volatile touchdowns can be early in the season. So because he didn't score that touchdown, you know, it looks like a pretty standard tight end game. I would capitalize on that, try to go out and acquire Tyler Higby, but I really like him this week. Then at number six, I have Rob Gronkowski and he's another late round tight end. And I totally whiffed on him. I'll totally admit that. And I think I've kind of figured out why. Last season, the Buccaneers really used kind of committees at every single position. So at running back right, you had Fournette getting in. You had Rojo getting in at the beginning of the year. It was LaShawn McCoy. You had Keyshawn Vaughn taking snaps at moments. They were rotating everyone. Wide receiver, same thing. You obviously had your studs, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who were in basically every snap. But then even when AB was there, you had guys like Justin Watson, Cyril Grayson getting in, obviously Scottie Miller and Tyler Johnson. So there was just a lot of people playing and it was the same thing for the running back position. You had Gronk, you had Breit, you had OJ Howard when he was healthy. And when all those guys were healthy, they were getting 20 plus snaps each. But then this year, it really looks like the Bucks kind of just locked down their starting unit and they're just going to roll with them So Gronk just took over as the clear-cut tight end one. There was no committee. Last season, we saw games where he was used like entirely as a blocker. They wouldn't even be trying to get him the ball. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case this year. And I guess if he's healthy, you know, he has the stamina back. Why wouldn't you use him like that? He was in on 88% of the snaps in week one, eight targets, eight receptions, 90 yards and two touchdowns. You really can't lock in on him when you're dealing with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown out there as well. So he's Brady's safety blanket. He's a great red zone option, which is a great thing to have at the tight end position, especially on a top tier offense. So Gronk just looks like one of the biggest steals in the entire draft. And I really think when we're looking back on championship teams, there are gonna be a lot of league winners who picked Rob Gronkowski for their tight end position. And he may not have even been the tight end one. On to number five, I have Mark Andrews. And he really did not put together an impressive stat line on Monday Night Football, but I actually saw a stat that he ran significantly more routes in that week one game than he had typically run last season so i really think the opportunities are going to be there he's still a top two target on this team it's probably between him and marquise brown so i do think he's going to have his boom weeks and he's still going to be a very relevant mid-tier tight end one then i have hawkinson at number four i liked him the most out of that second tier group and i'm feeling great about that prediction he looked great he's probably going to be the most targeted player on this team unless it's gonna be one of those running backs. Both are very, very possible, but he looked great. He's gonna be getting a huge target share in this offense just because the wide receiver position is so bad. So I like him here at number four. And then this top three, I feel like it may kind of stay locked in this order. I really like Kittle, but he just does not have the same potential to get the volume that Darren Waller can get. The Raiders just run their entire offense through Darren Waller. They do not trust those wide receivers. When they're running screens, pick plays, who are they trying to get the ball? Darren Waller. And so he's going to be number two. And I really think he's going to rival Travis Kelsey for the number one overall tight end spot. And then the guy I mentioned, Kelsey, here at number one. I mean, it's tough to put anyone else there. I feel like you, know, you could play it matchup by matchup. Certain weeks it may be Waller, other weeks it's going to be Kelsey. But today it's going to be Travis Kelsey at number one. All right. So those are my top 20 tight ends for week two. If you guys enjoyed the video, please just hit that like button, subscribe to the channel comment down below. And then if you want to see more videos like this up on my channel right now, I have my running back rankings, wide receiver rankings, top 30 for both of those positions, and then my top 20 quarterbacks. So go check those out. But thank you guys for stopping by. I really appreciate all the recent engagement. It means a lot. And I'll see you guys next time.